It wasn't long before our time on Rand had turned into a mishmash of varying capers and plots that spanned time and space. We did our best to keep up with Adam Strange, but we were hard-pressed to know just what was going on in his head when he proposed to a stranger and left his beloved Alana in the dust. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution to all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Nailed it. Not a nary a practice in sight. <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, so we are continuing with our, doc our Doctor Strange. No, Adam Strange. Even though there's two Doctor Stranges, um, technically. Um, but the we're, we're talking about Adam Strange. Not Dr. Hugo Strange, and not Dr. Stephen Strange, um, but Adam Strange. I wonder or, if they're related. Or at least this version of Adam Strange. Or at least this version of Adam Strange, that's correct. Um, speaking of which, we are still in 1965 with this. We will be going to the end of 1965. We will not be going to 1966, because Adam Strange does not go into 1966. Um, he stopped publication for a year and is, then picks up publication again in 1967. So, we will only be doing the singular year of 1965. We'll wait a while for some more Adam Strange coverage. And then he disappears for quite some time. Um, and I believe this is kind of the, the death knells of Adam Strange at this point. Um, so what we're seeing here is more of the writing team from the last episode. But also, the last three to four stories will become Jerry Siegel stories. And those are going to be pretty evident by the content of those stories. Because they're basically Superman stories with just Adam Strange in them. So, we're just going to kick these off really quickly with Mystery in Space, February 1965, number 97. Uh, Adam gets amnesia and lands on Ran after getting hit by the Zeta Beam and using one of Sardath's many machines finds out that he was taken to a different dimension and planet accidentally by the Zeta Beam, whereupon he discovers some terrorists, for lack of a better term, who are trying to go to Rand to take it over, and using this extra-dimensional travel he and Alana and Sardath and this other hero-type adventurer stop the terrorists from taking over Rand from this other dimension, and when Adam is in that dimension, he Zeta's back due to the Zeta radiation wearing off on him, and he's back on Earth. It's a pretty stock standard story. Um, we're Like I said, in the previous episode, we talked about how he's basically become an action hero at this point. Much more um, Indiana Jones than anything else. Um, fighting bad guys with less and less archaeology yeah. and science. Less of a sense um, of place and exploration. Less uniqueness. Yeah, 100%. He is just another dude who does this kind of stuff. You could put him on the Challenges of the Unknown and he would absolutely fit in. Um, we're in a mystery in space number 98, March 1965. An alien, uh, quote-unquote scientist wizard type kind of guy, uh, tries to get tribute from Ran because he claims that Ran has been stingy with its technology and resources to his homeworld. And... In the resulting kerfuffle against Adam and Alana, he accidentally kills himself. And in the future, with Rick Starr and Adam Strange's uh, descendant, Adam Strange, they fight this wizard scientist's descendant, who kind of does the same thing, except this time they arrest him and they put him in jail. Um, I don't know why we have more Rick Starr. 
I don't know who was asking for more Rickstar. Do you? So, I, I at least have the context around this. I don't know if anybody was asking for it, but this Space Ranger was just the backup story for, well, through the the second half of the stories we covered last week and the first half of these stories. Uh, so it's just, oh, these two characters are in the same comic. Let's have them interweave in the same way that we saw stuff with uh, uh, between Adam Strange and the Hawks. Uh, so especially since the, the writing and editing team and usually the art team is also shared between uh, stories in a given comic. So it, it's just, okay, well, let's just make it a, effectively a full-size story with all our characters instead of two half stories. The bit that's interesting is I'm, I don't remember if it's this one exactly or shortly after this, we stopped getting any more uh, Space Ranger stories. And it actually goes back to the backup stories are one or two generic sci-fi. Well, generic's not the right word, but one-shot stories. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It, it feels like they tried Space Ranger and it didn't work and then he went away. I don't know if that's true, but it sure feels that way. Well, I hope. <laughs> Mystery in Space, number 99, May 1965. Adam Strange switches bodies with an enemy being uh, made of energy who tries to marry some random growl he meets on Ran and uh, uses the Adam Strange body to try and kill his old body in which Adam Strange is currently inhabiting. Now, Adam switches back into his regular normal body with the help of Alana. And then they proceed to kill the energy being. Uh, that's a body count for Adam and Alana right there. Um, it felt very forced. This whole issue, or story rather, was just so forced. And then I was like, why does it feel that way? Oh wait, it's a Jerry Siegel story. This is just a Superman story. Replace... Adam and Alana with Superman and Lois Lane, and it is absolutely identical to any other Superman story happening in the 1960s at this time. And it is devoid of any uniqueness except for the fact that it is happening on Ran, and Sardath happens to be there. You replace Sardath with Perry White or Jimmy Olsen, and the whole story goes off without a hitch and can take place in Metropolis with nary a change really needed to the narration, other than names and places. Um, it is really just so bland in comparison. And it really is devoid of anything that makes Adam Strange unique. Next is Mystery in Space number 100, June 1965. An alien that arrives on Ran puts Alana into suspended animation uh, after Alana has been investigating his ship with a team of other Ranians, and she breaks a vial full of this like, vir like incredibly virulent contagion and or disease and the alien puts her in suspended animation with a gun which makes everybody think that he's violent because they can't understand him and when adam strange is told that he has killed alana he goes on this murder rampage but ends up using context clues like a normal observant person to realize that this guy means alana no harm nor does he mean any harm to anyone else and he finds out after the guy fixes his translator machine that he actually is just trying to help Alana until his buddies show up with the cure for the contagion that she's infected with and he'll remove her suspended animation. That was the most interesting story. Because I didn't know where that was going. That's fair. 
<laughs> I was just like, okay, sure, I'll bite, was kind of how I felt about this story. Um, Mystery in Space number 102. We skipped to 101, and we're in September 1965. Adam Strange and Alana get transported to Ran's past, where they find out that basically Terminator Judgment Day has happened on Ran, and robots have taken over and reverted all of humanity into cave people. Adam, who had found this residue-like metal um, before they got transported back in time, uses that to effectively kill two different robots in their escape back to the cave that they transported from. And they transport back to the normal timeline, but they leave accidentally the piece of metal behind. And Adam begins to wonder if he has just created a time loop for the humans to defeat the robots and that is where that piece of metal came from to begin with um we don't really dive into what exactly is on that the residue that's on the piece of metal some sort of irradiated whatever or something that that erodes their circuits or what have you a longer story with better writing would have told you that um but we don't got that you just got what you got here with jerry siegel um i'm gonna do body count two for this because they do kill two robots that are effectively sentient yeah um, uh, and that's unnecessary uh, even though they are guards but since they are non-human adversaries they're cool to kill uh, according to DC's law of what's cool with the comics code um, like had those been people had those had those people looked like humans specifically white Americans they wouldn't have been killed um, but because they were robots they were but they were a sentient race of robots um, it's like them killing Bender and that would be... I'd count that as a body count. Yep. Personally. Um, so it's two for them. Boy, time loops are, are screwy. I'm glad that didn't go any further. Because I don't think Jerry Siegel could have written it any more complex, to be fair. Because, again, every time travel story with Superman kind of ends in the same way. I, I almost... I, I agree that it has, like, the hallmarks of, like, a time loop story. It almost felt a little more to me... Like, it was at least being deployed in the same way that a it was a dream. Or was it you found the thing under your bed kind of thing of, oh, this was the, oh, this was real and it had a lasting repercussion rather than necessarily trying. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it was necessarily, it didn't feel like it was trying to do anything with it. So I'm hesitant to give it the credit of a time loop. But it's certainly yeah. like that is the, the space that it's playing in. It's just not committing to it, I guess. No, and I definitely agree. I'm not saying that they were trying to do that, but it is... I mean, they even say, like, have I created the conditions? That, yeah, like, and I'm 100%, like, yeah. they were aware of it enough to point it out, mm-hmm. is what I'll say. <laughs> Whether or not it's a true time loop story. Eh. But they definitely, <laughs> they definitely wink and nod at it, so I'm yeah. like, alright, you knew what you were trying to do. You at least acknowledge that this is the possibility. So you don't... They did it so they didn't have to explain what the piece of metal was. Like, that's really the only reason they did it. They did it to explain away the MacGuffin. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Which is fine, but that was the reason it's a time loop. Because otherwise, you have to explain what this thing is. And they never do. And the, re- the reason is, ah, oh, it's so ancient. It's because it was left here by the cavemen after I left it here for them. So if they don't have to figure it out, which means I don't have to figure it out, which means I, Jerry Siegel, get away with murder. And that's just how that works. Yeah. I, I, one thing that this whole endeavor that we're on of going through the Silver Age and before this, the Golden Age, I do kind of resent 
that there are people who before it's like, oh, they came up with that. They must be really good writers. And have, being completely disabused of that notion sometimes. And then you get, like, Gardner Fox, and you get the sort of trade-off of, oh, here's someone who got better over time. But, man, it... Whew. Look, nothing changes the fact that Siegel and Schuster should have been paid tons and tons of money. But also, huh, you're not, you're not that great of a writer. <laughs> you're not worth that much. <laughs> you know, like... Let's be honest, the guy who made the Slinky made his millions, but boy, howdy, is that not that great of a toy. Like, <laughs> congratulations, you've discovered physics. Yeah. You've made a mattress spring fun. Excellent work. And, like, and presumably, you kept on to the rights yourself. Right. So it's like, to your point, yeah, it's not the peak of writing, but also you've created the most recognizable character on the face of the planet. Yep. Your estate should get something. Oh, yeah. So, um, that is actually the end of our coverage. Uh, there were only that many issues in 1965. And again, since we're not doing 1966, this is where we are. So, a couple things here. I want to talk about the dilution of Adam Strange. Because mm -hmm. that's really what happens to this character. He starts out high sci-fi, high concept space opera and becomes just another dude with a fancy gun and a jetpack in each of these stories we stop really going to like the boiling acid seas of ran or the jungles on faraway distant continents of ran we stop name dropping locations on this planet we stop going to different cities ranagar stops really being threatened by mass invasion um there's less armies, more cops and robbers. It's much more grounded. Now, there is something to be said about narrowing your focus, right? Not every Star Wars thing has to be Empire Strikes Back. Sometimes it can just be the Mandalorian, and that's okay. And sometimes that's really cool, and everyone's fine with that. However... This is like if they took a sh like if they took the Skywalker movies and made them solely about Luke and then just narrowed the focus of the show as the seasons went on to just being about moisture farming. There is this the story survived off of its high concept nature off of the stakes of the Zeta beam radiation which is basically just a plot device at this point. Mm -hmm. It is no longer treated as something that could go wrong, something that they were trying to fix, something that they were trying to get around. It is just, at some point, this is going to happen and it's a convenient deus ex machina for us to get him out of a situation we cannot think of another way for him to do. For example, in the story where he's in the other dimension on the other planet, the way to get him off of that planet and dimension, which he can't because everyone else that he, he destroys his method of getting back there to stop the aliens from invading Ran. The way he gets back is from the Zeta Beam radiation wearing off. It is a convenient narrative device for solving any problem. Zeta Beam radiation becomes the red kryptonite of Adam Strange stories. And that's disappointing. I want to expand on that because I think that we are both thinking along very similar lines that there are two things that stood out to me as especially like 
ugh, like make me recoil moments that are absolutely the things you're touching on. Uh, the first being the Zeta Beam. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a stance here and say that I think the Zeta Beam, so long as the stories are framed the way that they have been, of he goes to Zeta Beam hits, he goes to Ran, he spends time with Alana. The Zeta Beam rips him away from the life that he loves on Ran. As long as that is the case, the Zeta Beam should only ever be an obstacle. And now you can always like find ways to turn obstacles to your advantage. That's absolutely the case. But there, there is exactly what you described. That pop moment of the Zeta Beam is helpful this time because it happens to be the pop resolution to the problem of how do you get home. Uh, and I... Th- I think you can absolutely have situations where you turn an obstacle into an advantage, but you have it has to be something that is intentionally done by uh, Adam Strange and a part of a plan. It should only ever be an antagonist otherwise, and it. I hate that there are... I think there are, what, two stories in this where it is just helpful randomly, and I hated that. The other bit, when... There's a specific line, I don't remember if he says it or thinks it, but at the funeral for Alana, when she's presumed dead and she's snow-whited in the glass casket, uh, he says, like, I am going to, I'm, I'm never going to come back here again. The only reason I was here for you, but first I have this last mission to get revenge for you. And it cheapens the relationship that he has with Ran and the people of Ran and the place of Ran, for it, for it to be the only reason I'm here, it's one. It would be one thing to say it, that her presence made all of this enriching. Like I, like Adam, really genuinely did enjoy going exploring with her, but also he enjoyed exploring with her, but exploring and saying. Even in a throwaway line, and I think that's what it is. This is an instance where Siegel's penchant for a... This is what people say in this moment, regardless of whether this character has... Would say this because, oh, this is... Oh, yeah, he is he is guy. He is in love with girl. Never do thing again if not with girl. No. No. And it really speaks to the same thing you were talking about earlier, of having less of a sense of place of ran in general there's no exploring the boiling tar pits uh because ran isn't a place it is a setting eh, yeah well. they've they've they have cheapened his relationship to the setting yes yep it would be as if if lois died superman said i'm done with metropolis and not out of a sense i feel like there is I mean, we, we have seen those stories, but they are dramatic in a different way. There, there's a way of doing that that is, oh, look at the totality of my grief instead of, oh, yeah, like, I could actually, like, this is the thing you would actually follow through on. And, and even then, you're, you're right, it would be, you know what it is? In the same breath, there would be all the people who Superman cared about, like, looking at him and being... And grieving alongside him, but also I would be losing Jimmy Olsen, thinking how how sad it will be for him to be gone, and right. making it clear that it is that Superman would be overwhelmed by the grief rather than 
oh well there's no there's no reason to come back and that's how the writing brings it about to feel it is supposed to have the weight of i'll never love again yes yes but it doesn't it is just like well shit i've got no more i got no reason to be in this dump anymore yep like the fact that Adam Strange is viewed as a planetarily recognized hero who would just straight up and not show up if he wasn't with his girlfriend is fucking sad mm-hmm. to think that Ran has this sort of parasocial relationship with him that he clearly does not participate in. The concept that someone is in a town specifically for a single individual but has done so much good for the town purely out of his relationship to either that person or just a normal sense of right with no real connection to the town is messed up and his cavalier attitude towards dis- towards ditching ran is indicative of the shallowness of his character and the shallowness of the writing yep. whereas to your point about the Zeta Beam radiation, it's very easy to turn it into stuff like with Robot Man or Negative Man having the Doom Patrol, where it's like, it's just a thing in the background they're constantly dealing with, which it used to be. And when we stopped doing that, it became an annoyance rather than a plot. Mm-hmm. And with Ran, yeah, I would have loved to have seen issues of Adam Strange start with him being like, I want to know about Ranny and archaeology. Show me the history of Ran is a new planet i know a lot about earth history i want to learn about yours how it differs from my planet having him have a relationship to this new world because of his his investigation into its history and its people would have been beautiful but instead it's i gotta get back home so i can see my girlfriend the thing i'm about to say may not be fair but it feels indicative of the thing you're sort of talking about there when we talked about how in addition to the like what we think of as the creative team or what i think of as the creative team i always leave editors out but part of the shifting creative team was also hey it's now uh shit i forget who it is but it's not uh the same editor it's uh jack schiff it's gone into jack schiff's uh fiefdom and it's as part, I think at the same time as that shift, I'm not 100% sure about that, but certainly in these issues, it starts doing the, hey, science facts that we've kind of seen in like, in like Flash, but with less style than that. But a lot of the, a lot of the comics have had these kinds of things and now it pops up and it feels like, oh, human science. And it just feels like, it would be really interesting and fascinating. I feel like it would have been a very Gardner Fox move, Gardner Fox era move, to have it be Ranian like science or history or something. Or maybe they just use that extra page to have the expedition kind of things. But here right. is no, you don't. We don't need to spend time on that. It's just let's let's do the educational thing. I like the educational thing, but it feels like. Fair or not, it feels like it's at the expense of Ran. Right. In uh, Young Justice, he's a scientist who is studying Zeta Beam radiation and gets transported to the planet and now is able to study it from a, like from two different locations. It's like, <laughs> ah, cool. Nice. Like, if you look at the episodes where he's in, in Young Justice, it's like, yeah, he's studying with their technology, learning things he, did, he couldn't learn about on earth 
because he didn't have their technology. I was like, that's cool. I like that. That is a neat way of showing that, like, he has a connection to this planet academically beyond just, ooh, pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I think cheapens his relationship to Alana, too. Because it's like, oh, you don't have any interest in her planet? You don't have any connection to her dad, who presumably you have some sort of relationship with? Yeah. Like, there's some, there's, like, nothing else, man. Just, you're mm-hmm. done. I'm not going to invest any time in relationships with people who are on your neck of the woods because if we break up, I'm never going to see those people again kind of thing. Right. Would have loved to have seen Sardath and Adam grieving together. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Would have loved that additional, like, oh, yeah, they do have a relationship. Because in the the issue where um, Sardath, where where Adam Strange and the energy being switch uh, bodies. Sardath is like, this is not Adam. This guy is acting weird. Like, Sardath knows Adam enough to know when Adam is acting so strange that it's likely not him. They have some form of relationship. They're close in some way. You're not even going to be like, I have to tell her father. He just saw her Snow White coffin and was like, well, guess I'm booking after I kill this guy. Go fucking tell her dad. Like he should like one of the questions he should have been like was like has anyone told her father, I should go tell him, it should be me, you know and that yeah that would have been sad and and good and like would have appreciated that connection but no, only got so many pages he's just gonna get mad. By the way, yeah. we do love our our um, what is it like lucite coffins in DC, don't we? <laughs> Alana and Lightning Lad, both in clear John Dillinger display body coffins in a very strange way. And you're just like, what the fuck is this about? In the future, do we stop caring about watching a body decompose? <laughs> like, what is, what's going on here? Like, it's going to get real ripe in there real quick. Like, I don't care what you say. Like, you, they, have they been properly dealt with that that's not going to happen? Or are we just going to watch this happen in real time? Because not into it. It's a pleasant set of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Because Lightning Lad's body is there for a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's like months, maybe a year. Long enough that his sister has masqueraded as him. And he's just, that's a good-looking corpse. Anyway, <laughs> corpses, you know, taxidermy aside. Um, it, is, it is a very strange... It's very strange to watch a line decrease over time into what, like I said, is the the death knells of this storyline. I think switching teams three times and getting a second editor is indication that they did not have confidence in this storyline. And it's worth noting that it's not just it's not just the end of the story. It's not far from the end of the comic so we lose uh so space ranger cuts off apparently number 103 is the last appearance of space ranger and then he's just gone for a long time uh but then 102 is the last appearance of adam strange for a bit and then it shifts over to oh let me look up the name because it is quite the name um Ultra, the multi-alien, who will be the primary story, or like character for the next, well, it's only like seven issues. 
because 110 is the last mystery in space that we get until 1980. So this is just, it's a thing on its way out. Right. And that is, and we don't know if that is indicative of people are just not buying mystery in space, which is possible. Gardner Fox could be doing gangbusters on Justice League, so maybe they want him to focus on that instead. Um, don't know. Like maybe 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 Adam Strange was just one too many things, and they took him off, and it just went downhill from there. Or they were like, "Hey, Gardner, we're going to be ending Mystery in Space at one ten. We're going to give Adam Strange to somebody else. We want you to focus on something else." So maybe that's what happened. Who knows? The shadow knows, but um. It, it is strange to kind of watch in real time something deteriorate yep. issue to issue worse and worse and worse each time um, which is either we get Martian Manhunter where it's crap all the way through to the end or Green Arrow where we're like this barely got started or it just keeps going and then they're just like meh we don't know because we don't know what the, the ratings were I mean I'm sure we could dig and dig and find but mm-hmm. We don't know what the reviews for Adam Strange were, if there was any sort of reviewing matrix in the 1960s for comic books at the time, or anybody sitting around doing what we are doing, going like, mm, the, the writing quality's gone down as they push up their glasses. Like, who knows? Like, point being, it is a very eerie sort of experience to watch something slowly die like this. Yep. And it's sad because of where it started out really cool stories that we really enjoyed that may not have been the best writing but were unique in and of themselves and were wholly separate from what we were normally getting from the rest of DC to slowly become just like every other character and to be handed off to a guy who's going to leave the company eventually is sad and it is unfortunate that we get that he ends in the state that he ends in yeah he's gonna come back obviously adam strange comes back in a myriad of other storylines this omnibus does not end with uh, the 1967 stuff it also has his appearances in 1970 and a couple in 1980 but it does have pretty much every instance of adam strange mystery in space or strange adventures but that is basically the last time he gets a book focused on himself until Tom King writes Strange Adventures in the uh, 2020s. And we have that now. But he shows up as an ancillary character in plenty of other storylines. Like the Rand Thanagar War that later happens in DC Comics. Or in the 52 series where he's with Starfire and Animal Man in space. Um, which is just the weirdest Three Musketeers. But great. Um but yeah, it's this is this is again like we're coming to the end of like with Green Arrow where we're like he's gonna keep being in Justice League, but also he doesn't get to have his own story anymore. Weird. Um, I think that is it for me. I don't know if there's any more that you have to cover. I know there wasn't a whole lot going on in these, and if there isn't, that's totally fine. But if you have any other final parting thoughts for this, yeah, kind of some some light little rapid fire stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't hate. Lealis's art, I just it is not as cool. One one thing that I do want to point to is, oh, this was kind of cool. One of the covers has is actually like basically a, a an actual like page 
where it's got one big panel and then three little triptych panels where it's doing that like slow change thing. He is in uh, basically like quicksand goop and is sinking into it and it's a triptych showing the passage of time. I'm a sucker for those. That being on the cover is interesting. I guess I should actually check that Lealis did the cover for that now that I think about it. Uh, that's a good question. Okay, good. Uh, DC Wikia says that it was in fact uh, Lealis who did the uh, Lee Elias. Why did I, I keep saying Ellis? <laughs> Lee Elias <laughs> did the cover for that, so I'm off the hook on that one. But Lee Elias is not off the hook for a thing that I am glad for artists and creative teams to have their names clearly and prominently like accredited. What bugs me is that that happens in pages in these comics but it's just Lee Elias's name it's not uh, the various writers or the inkers or the editors it's just hey here's Lee Elias's name and it feels very Bob Kane-ish hmm. worth noting uh, as a reminder I read these stories in a these comics in a format where I get to see the ads uh, and new thing that's being advertised, Silly Putty. So that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Space Ranger, uh, quick update from having read through that. I did say uh, that 103 was the last appearance we see, but also it is worth noting a Gardner Fox creation in Showcase. So I wonder to what degree him like sort of fading out after a couple issues uh, is, well, eh, this is Gardner Fox's character. I don't need to keep doing this. Yeah. Pop open my awesome new tablet. Uh, I got a tablet to read comics with, and I took screenshots of things that I found interesting, and I want to make sure that I got everything, because I think there's something in here. Oh, worth noting, I didn't know this. Apparently there have been multiple supercontinents throughout the history of Earth, and one was uh, Gondwana Land where South America, Africa, Australia, and India were once joined together. Interesting. Didn't know that. Hmm. That's one of those uh, little science so-you-know things. And I think that covers... Yeah. That will cover everything that I have on this sordid chapter. All right. Um, obviously a shorter episode than normal, but... I think that's because there's less content as well as just less to say about these in general. And I think our wrap-up of this being just a uh, not with a bang but a whimper kind of an ending here is a little bit just as much as there is to say about it until we kind of see how this all shakes out eventually. Would you say there's uh, nothing strange about that outcome? Uh, puns. Um, I think we can go to recommendations. Uh, do you have anything in particular you want to recommend? Go read Chainsaw Man. So, mm -hmm. I, it is worth noting, uh, the reason I got this tablet was so I could read comics, and I sat down and I was like, hey, I heard Viz has like a $2 a month subscription to Shonen Jump stuff. So I sat down and I read Chainsaw Man, and it turns out when you just have a bunch of manga that you can just keep swiping through, you can read it pretty quick. Uh, and so Chainsaw Man is a... Uh, you could think of it as a Monster of the Week thing, except because it's manga, all the chapters are short, and they do arcs instead of it being truly Monster of the Week. But it is doing a similar kind of thing as 
a Buffy or an X-Files, uh, but it, it goes into the, and now we're going to do continuity heavy stuff pretty quick. It is, whew, it is hyper-violent. It is about disaffectation and the desire to still be close to people despite all of everything going wrong. Uh, it is well worth a read. Uh, I guess the the pitch on it is a kid who has had an incredibly shit life basically forced into being a devil hunter for the Yakuza to pay off debts that his dad had. So this is just like a 15-year-old kid who has had an utterly shit life and just doesn't know anything different and dies his pet chainsaw demon resurrects him and now he can become chainsaw man where if if he pulls the chainsaw like tab that is in his chest because the chainsaw demon is still in there then he gets like chainsaw attached to his arms and his face becomes a knight's helm with a chainsaw sticking out of it this is an extremely violent and gory manga, but also about this kid who is the walking, talking porcupine's dilemma, hedgehog's dilemma, whatever that one is, but really just wants the, the good things in life with a very simplified taste on it, and eventually this kid having to learn, okay, beyond the immediate needs, what what do I actually want? And it's, it's a quick read. I think it's, you could even, I think you could certainly read through all of this on the free trial of the subscription. Go read it. It is well worth a read. Um, I recently beat Watch Dogs 2. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed with the writing. Um, specifically the dialogue. I think the dialogue was done incredibly well. Um, I think it is more relevant now than it has ever been with its conversations about um, big tech uh, tech surveillance tech data gathering, data mining etc um, not to mention uh, social engineering used to control a populace um, very very clever it doesn't go as far as it potentially could with some conversations about there being no gray area when using this information to do good over evil um it is just i really enjoyed it i was really happy with it it was an improvement from the first game though the first game is almost an entirely different situation the way it handles everything it's like ah this story is about organized crime and guilt and technology and this other one is strictly about technology and its hold that it can have over people when misused by people in the government and big business boy you would not know these were they are very definitely two stories happening in the same world that have nothing to do with each other um and it's very good um i think the writing is smart and aware um lots of people of color as main characters um black main character if you're looking for games that have those um good good representation in it and just generally, uh, oh, also a uh, major trans character is in it as well, who is effective um, and not just kind of like there. Um, they are, uh, I believe she is involved heavily in the political aspect of the whole storyline and kind of helps you with 
navigating the political ups and downs of what could potentially go wrong because she's a councilwoman. Um, it's good. I like it a lot. I think you should go check it out. Nice. I certainly yeah. heard good things. I uh, haven't heard anything about Watch Dogs Legion, which means it's probably really bad. Because <laughs> uh, if I don't see any memes, I start to worry. I think I remember uh, hearing like that there were some interesting systemic things going on, but fundamentally not a story that was willing to do anything interesting. Yeah, uh, I think the fact that you don't have a centralized main character really um, takes away from the ability to connect with the story. Especially First coming one. off from not coming off of two, which it sounds like has a really good like voice. A very yeah, a very uh, defined core cast, nice. and one was about a single individual. So it's like there's a lot going on in these games, and these two games are like very personally intimate in terms of like wants, desires, and needs in relationship to certain things that are happening. And for the third one to just be like revolution, a faceless mob, it's kind of like. I mean, yeah, you can do this, but it also kind of like, what if Assassin's Creed didn't have a main character? We kind of kind of lose the coolness of the franchise of having the main character to relate to throughout these historical events, etc. Um, but yeah, um, do pick up Watch Dogs too. I think it is the best in the series. Um, has the Ubisoft uh, qualms about driving though, so be aware <laughs> of that. Um, yeah. Um, all right then. You know we, what we didn't do at the start of this new um, chain of events is we didn't um, read more JLA. Oh, wait, no, we did. We've just done Doom that's, Patrol that's and right. Legion. We did the new stuff first. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, it's going to be a while before we. So, actually, is it going to be yeah. a while before we see Gardner Fox again? Probably not. Okay. That's we got Hawkman coming up. We got Hawkman coming up. He's going to be around. I'm sure he's still got stakes and flash occasionally. We'll see. <laughs> but we're reading uh, The Atom next. So we're going to have The Atom, then Aquaman, then Batman. Um, and we'll see where we go from there. So thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ran had become predictable. Adam Strange's adventures were less personal and more recycled, which led to mistaking him for other heroes of his time. Even Alana had begun to resemble other damsels in distress, losing her own edge and agency. Perhaps we had gone too big. Maybe we needed to look at smaller stories, and an even smaller hero.